Hello, good human, and welcome or welcome back to the Sunshine Project podcast. My name is Chloe. I am your host, and we are talking about all things grief this week. And I do want to give a little content warning or trigger warning or just a little heads up before we delve into this episode that being that we're talking about grief, we are going to be speaking on some pretty tricky topics. So if any of this brings anything up for you, please have a look in the show notes where I am going to put a stack of resources to help you work through whatever's happening in your beautiful brain. Now, you might notice, dear listener, if you are a regular listener, that my voice sounds a little bit flatter than usual in this episode, and that is because the universe really wanted to make sure that I am up to date and relevant with what we're talking about, which would be fun if we were talking about boundaries or friends or how to make your relationship stronger. But grief has been refreshed for me this week because in between recording the first episode of this series of a little grief cake that we're baking together, in between recording part one and part two, I have been hit with a big wave of grief. I actually found out just after recording the first part that I was pregnant and just in the couple of days between then and now, I have also found out and am trying to come to terms with the fact that I am no longer pregnant. So I feel like in episode one, I spoke with you about grief in a way that felt, you know, kind of past tense, like something that we all always moving through, but something that wasn't super fresh for me at the time. But today, as we speak about getting through grief ourselves and about supporting people through grief, yeah, it all feels a little bit raw. So I do ask that you bear with me a little bit as I navigate something that turns out to be very on brand for this week's series on the Sunshine Project. And after that topical personal share, I think we should I think we should get stuck into it. And today's whole episode is essentially a sunshine toolkit. So the sunshine toolkit, as I'm sure that you know, is the toolkit that we dip into to help us get through times when everything feels a little bit cloudy and the sun is hard to find. And the reason that I really wanted to share a sunshine toolkit with you around grief today, even before <laughs> the last week unfolded is because the holidays can be a really difficult time and maybe you're listening to this in six months or six years or I don't know if podcasts will still be around in 60 years but we'll see. The reason that it feels so pressing during the holidays if you're listening live is because it just brings up a lot of things for a lot of people so whether you are feeling grief over someone that you have lost, whether you are feeling grief over a changed situation or set of circumstances, however grief shows up in your life, it can really make itself known at this time of year, perhaps because 
Often, for many people, this time of year is when we gather with our families and our friends, sometimes because at this time of year, we tend to look forward and think about what we are planning and what we are hoping for, and it can feel a little bit deflating to realize that those things haven't come true. But whatever your situation, I am sincerely and dearly hoping that this Sunshine Toolkit is helpful in one way or another. And the form that our Sunshine Toolkit is taking today is a letter. So let's undo this envelope together and we're going to read it through. As I undo this week's Sunshine Toolkit, this letter, I will just let you know that I am an absolute fiend for letters. I have always absolutely loved them. There's something about putting pen to paper that is equal parts considered and spontaneous and because the things we're talking about today, because our Sunshine Toolkit is something that is so heartfelt, yeah, this felt like the right form for it to take. So on the first side of this letter, it says, getting through grief. Okay, and there's a whole list of different things that I have learned, which is very convenient because I'm the one speaking to you about getting through grief. And as someone that has dealt with a lot of grief in their life, I feel pretty well placed to share this with you. So let's go through it. Now, the first paragraph in the self-care toolkit letter, which is written in swoopy, swirly handwriting that looks suspiciously like mine, is the ball and the box analogy. This one, look, it's better visually, so I am going to pop a copy of this in the show notes and I will also post it in our Facebook group, which I will also link in the show notes. But I first saw this shared by a user of the app formerly known as Twitter called Lauren Herschel, and it was the cleverest way of speaking about grief that I think I've ever seen. And of course, it has to be the first thing in our Sunshine Toolkit. It says, so grief is like this. There's a box with a ball in it and a pain button. And on a piece of paper, she's drawn a square box with a big round ball, almost filling up the box. And there's a pain button on the side, on the inside of the box. It says, in the beginning, the ball is huge. You can't move the box without the ball hitting the pain button. It rattles around on its own in there and hits the button over and over. You can't control it. It just keeps hurting. Sometimes it seems unrelenting. So imagine that you've got a box. You've got a box with a soccer ball in it. And the box isn't much bigger than the soccer ball. And every time the soccer ball hits a certain point on the box, you feel pain. And of course, because the ball is so big and the box is so small, you're just feeling that over and over. It says, over time, the ball gets smaller. It hits the button less and less, but when it does, it hurts just as much. It's better because you can function day to day more easily. But the downside is that the ball randomly hits that button when you least expect it. So imagine that the soccer ball has been replaced by a tennis ball and then a golf ball and it's bouncing around in the box as you carry it along, and most of the time it goes nowhere near the button, but when it does, it gets you just as deeply. For most people, it says, the ball never really goes away. It might hit less and less, and you have more time to recover between hits, unlike when the ball was still giant. And I love that description of grief, because we say that grief comes in waves, and 
I think that that is very true. I mean, I said it at the top of this episode, but that kind of implies that the waves might get smaller and that a tsunami might be very unexpected. But the ball in the box works for me because the truth is the button doesn't get less painful. The button is always delivering the same thing. And sometimes when you are grieving consistently enough, you can start to get used to it and it can start to hurt less. And it's only when grief comes out of nowhere and wins you that it is harder. And I think it's an important analogy to hold close during the holiday season because this is one where that ball is really rattling around, no matter how big or how small it is. And it's important to be gentle with yourself as that pain button gets hit. The second paragraph in this letter says, refer to Go Go Mama. Now, I have referred to Go Go Mama before. It's a book by Sally Sara, who is a woman who travelled through Africa and interviewed a dozen very different African women about their experiences through life on the continent. And in the book, Sally goes through a moment of immense grief And as I mentioned, I think it was in the gratitude episode. I received this book when I was about 12 or 13 years old and reading about people's lives who were so different from mine was something that I found very helpful and very enlightening because it can feel so abstract when you're just hearing that people have lives that are different than yours. But having those lives spoken about through their own words and through the words of people who sit with them, spend time with them and get to know them. I found to be very powerful. And I just wanted to read you a passage from this book. So for context, in this moment, Sally has found out that a friend of hers was killed while on duty. Her friend was a journalist and she died in Somalia. She was murdered in Somalia while she was on the job. And this is how Sally speaks about sharing her grief with the woman that she had been spending time with. And also, slightly slightly more context, the woman that she was spending time with at the time, Helen Lanyom Onguti, was tortured by rebels in northern Uganda when she was a young woman, and she was mutilated, and she had lived the rest of her life to this point without any lips. So, She was left to die, but she survived. She lives as a farmer and she raises her orphaned nieces and her grandchildren. She has been through a lot. Yeah, that's a little bit of context for you. It says, Philip and I ride to Helen's house to say goodbye. The warm wind pushes past my face, but my eyes are red and tight and fixed in a stare. I feel uncomfortable about seeing Helen. I don't want to bring bad news to her and... In a selfish way, I don't want to leave my safe place as an observer. For the past week, I've been chronicling her grief, yet I don't want to share mine. When we arrive, she already has the two chairs and the woven mat set up under the tree. I smile, but can't make full eye contact with her. We sit down, and Philip speaks in her language, explaining to Helen that my friend Kate has been killed. Helen puts her long hands over her face, the tips of her fingers cover her eyes, and her palms cover her mouth. She starts wailing in a long, one-syllable cry. I feel even more uncomfortable. The women from the neighbouring hut hear the wailing and they join in too. It's mournful and unmistakable and their cries are blown through the fields by the hot wind. Loyo is playing outside the hut. She's only three years old but she already knows the sound of mourning. 
it is unnerving to watch her quickly comprehend that someone has died. Aloyo polices herself, sitting quietly and pulling her limbs close to her body in a rigid, unnatural pose as she bows her head. Her own mother died only a few months ago. I guess that's why she recognises the wailing. And I just remember reading that and recognising all of a sudden that grief is a human experience, that grief is a shared experience, that it was understandable that Sally felt uncomfortable with someone who had been through as much grief as Helen taking her by the hand and guiding her through her own grief, that because grief is relative and all-consuming and so much for any human to endure, it is something that everyone understands, it is something that everyone has been through, and that although it is just shit, it's just a horrendous thing to have to go through, it's something that the people around us understand, they recognise, And that if we are surrounded by the right people, that people around us will hold space for us as we move through and navigate grief. And as someone that tends to fold in a lot when I'm struggling, learning that at such a young age and seeing the way that one woman cared for another while she was going through something so difficult was really genuinely life-changing. And I hope that that's a perspective that is helpful for you as well, especially if you're someone who feels that potentially their grief doesn't matter because your grief does matter, if you're someone who feels that other people have it harder than you so you shouldn't worry and you shouldn't stress that, my love is much easier said than done. It's okay to feel your grief. It's okay to delve into your grief and see what you find. It's okay to sit in the shit. It's okay to search for a silver lining And it's okay to know that things are just hard right now. To seek help or advice or to not. And to move through it at your own pace and in your own way. And the third paragraph under the heading of getting through grief is one that is a little bit more practical. So those were some quotes and those were some things, some, I suppose, resources that have really helped me. But the third paragraph is all about ritual. Now, I spoke to you briefly in episode one about hiring a grief doula a few weeks ago. And just between you and me, and with absolutely no medical background to back this up, I think the only reason that I was able to get pregnant again, albeit very briefly, was because I had my beautiful lost doula come over. And I spoke to my doctor about this and my doctor, my GP, I won't share his name, that feels a little bit personal, he is brilliant. I actually never thought I would have a male doctor, but I've never had a general practitioner that listens to me so attentively, who believes me, who is open to my Google findings being brought into my appointments. And my GP is a very, you know, practical person, like not so into the woo-woo stuff, but I spoke him through my lost doula experience, which was essentially this. I miscarried. I went through pregnancy loss back in early March of this year, through to late March of this year. 
And I spent a month being pregnant, but knowing that I wasn't going to have a baby, which was a very difficult time. And when the time eventually came that I was able to physically birth or pass the the baby from my body, I actually felt an immense sense of relief because for a month, my mental state and my physical state had not been aligned at all. Mentally, I knew that the loss had occurred, but physically, my body was still holding on and trying its absolute best. And that was probably the first time that I really recognized the importance of matching up our mental state and our physical state. And my lovely doula, Rosie, who I originally hired as a birth doula, has been saying to me since then, when you're ready, I would like to do a womb cleanse with you. She assured me it's nothing medical, you know, we weren't going to be flushing anything out, there were no enemas involved, but that it was a ritual that she thought would help me. And oh my goodness, I went through it this year and I just wasn't ready and I wasn't ready and I wasn't ready. And I knew in my heart of hearts that I was not going to get pregnant until I was mentally a little bit more clear and a little bit more free. And I knew in my heart of hearts that I was not going to get pregnant until I was mentally a little bit more clear and a little bit more free. I just, I just knew it and I didn't feel ready. So I didn't take her up on her offer. I didn't take her up on her offer. And about a month ago, I decided it was time. And so Rosie came over and we ritually worked through my pregnancy loss. And what that meant is she wrote on a little piece of paper, thank you, I release you dot 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 which I was to complete she wrote you are free to go a dot 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 which I was to write more underneath she wrote I welcome with love dot 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 which I was to welcome with my words and then she wrote I am ready for dot 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 which I continued so I don't know if that's very clear but essentially they were little prompts and I sat down and while she sat up a massage table in our games room, I wrote down that all of the feelings of incompleteness and all of the feelings of inadequacy were free to go. I did not need them in my life anymore. I welcomed with love a tiny new soul. I told them that I was ready for them. I released with love all of the memories and all of the essence of the pregnancy that I felt I was still holding on to. And I spoke about how I was ready for the next step and whatever that may take. And I am not particularly good at expressing my emotions usually, but something about writing this down with some beautiful meditative music in the background and then going through the ritual of burning on a candle and releasing the things that I was ready to let go and of tucking the things that I was ready to welcome underneath my head while Rosie gave me a massage and I was able to completely relax physically as well as mentally. The act of speaking with her and of processing my grief and of really moving through it because I have shared a quote before from a book called The Third Wife that says that moving on is something that happens to you, not something you do, that it's not something proactive, that it's something organic. And while I absolutely believe that, the action of looking at my grief in the face and of speaking to it and of speaking of it and 
of sharing it in a way that was past, this just feels really awful, was so freeing and so helpful and I felt so light afterwards. And so I spoke to my doctor about this. I went in for an appointment and he asked about how getting pregnant was going and I said not well, but I said I did just do a ritual with a lost doula and I waited for him to roll his eyes, but he didn't. He asked for more information. And when I told him that story, he said that he comes from a background that practices according to Confucius and that in his family and in his cultural background, the grieving process and the ritual around grieving is something that they take very seriously that if someone dies who you are close to, you take a set period of time to mourn depending on how close that person is to you. He said that you wear a certain colour, so in some cases an armband. So if someone sees you on the street, they immediately know not only that you are grieving but who you are grieving for. They can look at you and say, I'm sorry that you lost your mum or your uncle or your sibling, rather than saying, oh, how good's life at the moment, and you feeling like you need to fall into place with that conversation. And he said that he finds it really helpful because in Western culture, quite often we we have funerals, but it can feel to many people and many of his patients and many of his friends that people are torn between grieving for an amount of time, grieving formally for an amount of time that feels too short and then they feel guilty, they feel like they're getting over it too quickly and not honouring it in an appropriate way or that feels like it goes on forever and it's something they can never move past because they don't have those defined lines of ritual and of grieving ritually. And I just thought that was pretty important and the womb cleanse obviously is something quite specific, but what it did do was really open my eyes to the importance of ritual around grief. And so if you are stuck in a place of grief, in a place of big grief or small grief or confusing grief or wherever you're at right now or in the future, then I'm taking your hands and I am encouraging and urging you to complete some sort of ritual around that, whether that looks like writing things down and expressing your thoughts pen to paper, whether that looks like following prompts so you can work out how you really feel, whether that looks like a walk in a place that was special to you and a person you've lost or a place that was special to you in a part or a time of your life that you're grieving, just I really urge you to look into rituals around grief and if you're struggling to employ them and to give them a go because the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work and then at least you've spent a little bit of time speaking to and speaking with your grief and I think it might just make things a bit easier. And I've just flipped the letter over and there's only one paragraph on this side and this paragraph says supporting through grief and yeah it looks like it goes through all of the ways that we can support people who are grieving in our lives because chances are somebody in our lives is grieving in one way or another and so The first sentence in this paragraph is about grief out support in, and this is helpful not only for supporting other people, but for grieving ourselves. And so 
the gist is this. Again, kind of like the ball in the box, this is better visually. So I will pop a visual in the show notes. But essentially, I need you to imagine that there are a se- there's a circle and then there are a series of rings outside of the circle. And the circle is the person who is grieving. So it might be you, it might be someone you love, it might be someone who is unwell, it might be someone who has had someone die. For whatever reason, they are the person who is grieving. The first ring outside of that circle contains the person or the people closest to them. It might be their children, it might be their partner. The next circle out contains all the people that are very close but not the closest. might be dear friends, siblings, their parents, The next one out is other friends. It might be extended family members. Further out than that, we have people slightly more on the periphery, perhaps acquaintances. And then outside of that, we've got strangers. So essentially, we've got the person in the middle. And then as we work our way out, we've got people that are slightly further and further away from them. If you are ever wondering how to support someone through grief or where your place is in their grief, I need you to remember grief out, support in. So grief can always be poured outwards. The person who is grieving can pour out to their spouse or their children. Those people can pour out to friends or to family members. Those people can pour out to their friends. Everyone's circle looks different. Everyone's circle might have them In the middle, it might have the person who is grieving in the middle, depending on the circumstance and who they are speaking to. But the important thing to remember is grief goes out, support goes in. It is never appropriate to pour your grief inwards. It is never appropriate as someone who is on the ring outside of the person grieving to pour your grief in with them. Now, you can share your grief But that's got to be weighted out with support because we need to be sharing more support in than we are ever sharing grief. It goes grief out, support in. I hope that makes sense. It's really helped me a number of times, not so much in terms of whether I should be supporting someone, but in terms of setting boundaries around spending time with people when I'm grieving because I tend to just support, support, support. And that can be really difficult and really unhelpful when I find myself sending support out and sharing support to people who then feel that they, as they would feel, that they can send their grief inwards and then I just end up in a big muddle of grief and yeah, very difficult stuff. So the first paragraph is just a description of that grief out support in. The next is, okay, this is just a link to Life, Death, What, which is an Instagram page, yes, that I have found so very helpful as I've worked through grief in the last year. And there's a particularly helpful piece on that Instagram page. It's by Revelatory. And essentially, it just lists how you can talk to someone who is grieving. And a number of these are things that I wholeheartedly believe in, and I want to share them with you before we wrap up this episode. So I don't think that I could put these in a better way than the author has. I'm going to read some of them to you. How to talk to someone who is grieving. Let difficult feelings be. It says it feels uncomfortable to be with another person's grief, not as uncomfortable as grief itself. Sometimes it's tempting to try to lighten the mood, but only time can lessen grief. Resist the urge to chase away tough feelings, just allow them to exist. Alongside that is don't change the subject. 
when the person brings up their loss, it's okay if you're not sure how to respond, but just let them talk. Again, it can be so tempting to try and help them by steering away from the grief, but it just doesn't happen. Instead, listen to their stories, ask follow-up questions, bearing witness to their memories of their lost loved one is a gift. It also says to mention the lost loved one by name. Don't worry that you will remind someone of their loss. Trust me, they haven't forgotten. Don't worry about timing. You aren't reaching out too late or too soon. The act of acknowledging a loss and showing empathy is a kindness whenever you do it. Give space. Grief takes all sorts of forms. Sometimes it's intense, sometimes it's dull and achy, sometimes it's complicated. Remember, it's unique to each individual with no right or wrong. And lastly, don't be afraid of messing up. Grief is a messy process, and even the most well-meaning people sometimes say and do the wrong things. I know I sure do. Even if you put your foot in your mouth, your heart is in the right place and it will shine through, and that means a lot. I've spoken with a lot of people about grief in the last year, and all of these things have rung so consistently true, especially not worrying about timing. Many people have said to me that they can sense that their loved ones have struggled to work out when to approach something or how to approach something, and so they just haven't, and that has felt quite lonely. Especially give space, that is something that I need when I am grieving, just to work through it with myself, to know that you've got that love and support from a distance, I find to be very helpful. And I always really love to ask questions when someone is grieving, if someone has lost someone that they love, to ask what that person was like, to ask about memories that they've shared with them, to mention them by name. And it can feel awkward and it can feel difficult, but I promise you, if that is not what someone wants, then they will say, I can't talk about that right now. And people have said that to me, and that's okay. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're able to share with me that you're not in that place at the moment, but I'm also so glad that we've shared so many hilarious stories about this person that you loved and have lost and it's reminded you that even though they're gone they are still with you in a way now my recommendations this week are a little bit based on the things that we've already spoken about so the first is life death what on instagram a brilliant page that tackles grief really really well my second recommendation is a song by the Cat Empire. It's from their most recent album, When Angels Fall, and the song is called Be With You Again. Now, this song is beautiful. It was written in honour of the brother of one of the members of the band who very sadly passed away from brain cancer quite recently. And although the song is very unique to their relationship, there's something about it that it's just going to take you into the arms of anyone that you've loved and lost and be prepared for tears because it brings me to tears every time. But it's really beautiful. I will link that in the show notes. And my third recommendation this week, my love, is that no matter how you're grieving and no matter what you're going through, whether it's fresh, whether that ball has grown smaller, whether you're doing okay or you're not, I urge you to practice some kind of ritual around your grief. Just take a moment. Just honour what it is that you're missing or what you're going through. B 
Be gentle with yourself in this holiday season and know that your grief is so valid and so real and so messy and so shit and so human and it doesn't have to have a silver lining. If you find one, then that makes my heart sing for you. If you don't, that's okay. That I love you and I'm glad that you've listened to this episode and all of the episodes and that you and me are going to be okay. I feel sure of that. Thank you for listening. Good human. I will speak to you soon. Bye. This podcast was recorded and edited on Ghana land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.